one. What is up? We're back. Happy Tuesday. This is Football Life Presents the Audible. I am your host, Randy Hammond, for episode 28, the week seven recap. Joined by my co-host, the man who's probably not in the greatest mood today, but he's here dealing with it like I deal with it every week being a Giants fan. Matt Bushnell, still repping the Chicago Bears hat. How you doing, my friend? Oh, Randy, you know, after last night, it's it was a rough one. You know, some wound licking here and trying to survive a uh, rough Tuesday, rough Tuesday indeed. Yes, we will break down the Monday Night Football game in just a moment between the Rams and the Bears. And we'll recap each and every game from Week 7. And Matt, it was one of the more exciting witching hours. If you're a fan of Red Zone like I am, between the ending of the Titans-Steelers, the Lions-Falcons, and the Bear, or the Browns-Bengals, I mean, those three endings happened within five minutes of each other. And that's what Red Zone was made for. Super exciting Sunday. We're going to break it all down for you. We got some news and unfortunately a buttload of injuries, Matt. We're going to talk about those uh, and we'll preview Thursday night football between those Falcons and the Panthers. Uh, and then we'll have some fantasy uh, talk along the way. All right, let's start it off, Matt. Unfortunately, we have a Monday night football game to talk about for you and it is the Rams just dominating your bears. And this game was not really all that close. It was 24 to 10 with this game being 24 to three in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, Matt, I'm just going to give you the floor here. Um, we expect, more from the Bears, but it looks like that offense can't really overcome uh, – the defense can't really overcome how bad that offense is right now. No, I mean, this offense, when we start talking about offenses in the NFL, Randy, I mean, this is Jets level, um, Giants level, and really even Jacksonville level, but Jacksonville might be a tear up on the Bears. I mean, we talk about this, and, you know, we assume that the defense is going to do superhuman things, like – you're going to run into good offenses and then it exposes your offense, you know, your defense a little bit. And this defense, I think was on the field for almost 40 minutes yesterday or last night. And that's not sustainable. And you brought in Matt Nagy. So let's just cut the bullshit right now with Nagy. You, you build him as this offensive genius, the guy that's going to fix Mitch Trubisky. And, you know, so, sometimes you can't fix bad players. It just is what it is, you know. But to me, what pisses me off more so about Nagy is that he could not wait to get Mitch out of the quarterback spot because he kept on felt like Mitch was taking uh, – was making mistakes. Great. I'm all about accountability, Randy. I, I think we all are for our football teams. We just want accountability. And if you're going to preach that, then you better hold true to that. And when I watch the shit that Charles Leno puts on tape, I watch the shit that Jermaine Effetti puts on tape, Bobby Massey, Anthony Miller, and those guys are still on the fucking field playing football for this team, and Mitch Trubisky's on the bench, your message rings hollow with me. And you know what? The offense is shit. It's been shit for three years. 2018 was saved by numerous turnovers from that defense that put you in great field position to score those points. So now let's let's really take a look at the body of work, which was last year and this year from Matt Nagy. It's the shits. No one's gotten better on this team offensively. Every player that has come here has basically regressed. James Daniel may be the only one that actually improved from last year to this year. You know, Allen Robinson's numbers are declining a little bit as far as yards per catch. Um, touchdowns are definitely not there where you would like them to be. David Montgomery looks like shit. And I don't even think David Montgomery is that bad. 
but the accountability is lacking from the offensive genius. And he is holding this team back by leaps and bounds. You can be a good head coach and a bad offensive coordinator. Those two can be mutually exclusive. So you take a look at Nagy, the head coach. I don't hate that. You know, it's, he seems to get the players ready to play. They don't really have clunkers that much. But you take a look at Nagy, the offensive coordinator, the shit needs to go. It's not working. The playbook may be too much. And from my perspective, at the end of the day, your defense can be world beaters, Randy, but they're not good enough to score touchdowns on every, you know, every game, let alone two touchdowns per game. And that's basically what they're asking them to do. Yeah, and the offensive line is not good enough, like you said. Uh, David Montgomery uh, has a very odd ceiling here where it feels like he can't seem to have a breakout game if his life depended on it. Allen Robinson is a target monster, but like you said, he's kind of having a down year. Uh, but he's the only real threat on this offense. So, I mean, teams focus on him and figure out a way to force the ball to other people. Jimmy Graham, you know, he's fine. He's having a good year, but it's still Jimmy Graham. He's still an older guy who I don't think really scares too many defenses anymore. Um, but I go back to this quote, and I posted it in Football Life earlier today uh, from Brian Greasy, who's a Monday Night Football analyst. Um, and he said he had a conversation with Nick Foles. And in the quote, I'm going to read the quote verbatim. And it's, we were talking to Nick Foles yesterday, and he said, you know, sometimes play calls come in, and I know that I don't have time to execute that play call. I'm the one out here getting hit. Sometimes the guy calling the plays, Matt Nagy, doesn't know how much time there is back there. And that, to me, is just absolutely throwing Matt Nagy under the bus and something's got to change because I feel like Trubisky was saying something similar to this just last year Matt you would know better than I but there's clearly a disconnect between at least the quarterbacks and the head coach right now yeah I think Trubisky basically said you know this offense isn't working you know he didn't say that verbatim but that's pretty much the message that they're sending you Trubisky said it last year Foles said it this year and Foles is Nagy's guy. Like this is who Nagy wanted, yeah. you know, above all else, they tried Tom Brady. Tom Brady was never a realistic option. They wouldn't guarantee Teddy Bridgewater, the starting position at quarterback. That's why he went to Carolina. And then look at this. Foles was their guy. So my only assumption is he buried fucking Mitch, whatever, you know, I don't care about that. If he's not your guy, he's not your guy, but your offense isn't working, you know, and this whole system this whole organization from the top down since 1990 they live off 85 like it's some sort of like it was almost yesterday and it's like we're sick of seeing this shit why are we conditioned to expect our defense to win games every fucking year when they went to the super bowl they had somewhat of a competent running game the defense was fantastic but this shit, year after year after year after year, you get tired of it. Cutler came here. They ruined – I mean, I'm not sure. Maybe Cutler wasn't that bad. Maybe he came to the Bears and they just <laughs> fucking ruined him because that's what the Bears do to quarterbacks. I mean, the Bears and Jets can ruin quarterbacks like nobody's business. So you just this aura, this stench around this stupid team drives me nuts, and I am so tired of watching this product on the field watching this offense just screw everything up. And I'm, I'm just, you know, I don't want to say I'm done with it because this team still might, might win 10, 11 games as stupid as that sounds. But man, th this team is such, when I posted in Facebook, it's perfectly flawed. This team is perfectly flawed because you have a world-class defense with a craptastic offensive line craptastic skill position players outside of Allen Robinson and your quarterbacks have no idea what they're doing. 
Like, scale back the playbook at that point. Throw quick passes. And to Jimmy Graham, this is the shit that pisses me off, Randy. Look at their tight ends. Cole Komet makes a great catch, you know, beginning of the game, pretty much. Jumps over, I think it was a cornerback or a linebacker or a safety, makes a very nice catch. Then makes another catch on that same possession. Do you know when his, his next catch was? Garbage time. He didn't get another one. <laughs> like, is what, what the fuck are you doing? You drafted this guy in the second round and you're not using him and he disappears. Jimmy Graham, you take him out in red zone situations? They took out Jimmy Graham in the freaking red zone. The, you paid him $8 million to be that guy in the end zone. And what did he do the first three games? He scored four touchdowns. Now he can't play in the red zone because you got your boy from Kansas City and Demetrius Harris? Man, I'm I'm sick of this shit. Hold people accountable. Use your weapons how you were supposed to. This shit is garbage. Yeah, Nick Foles, not a great day. 28 of 40, 261 yards and two interceptions. David Montgomery, 14 for 48. Uh, not a whole lot going there on the offensive side of the ball. I'll just give, give some Ram stats because we uh, were really kind of out on them coming into this game. We, we compared Jared Goff to SpongeBob SquarePants, which I still think applies. But regardless, the, uh, the headset um, situation worked in this game. It was 23 of 33, 219 yards, two touchdowns. Not the greatest game ever, but at least it's uh, serviceable for Jared Goff. And then on the ground, they had 161 rushing yards combined. Uh, Daryl Henderson, 15 carries, 64 yards. Malcolm Brown, 10 carries for 57 yards and a touchdown. So um, I don't think it's the prettiest game from the Rams either. And I believe they get a defensive score and the Bears also get a defensive score. So, um, you know, SoFi at night, beautiful. This game, not so much, Matt. No, no, it, it definitely did not live up. I mean, even if it was a defensive struggle, it really wasn't. It was just, you watch the team basically roll over and show its belly on offense. Yep. All right. Well, that's one primetime game. We're going to move to another primetime game, which is pretty much the opposite uh, where not a lot of defenses played, but it was sure as hell entertaining to say the least. This is a NFC West battle, which is far and away the best division in football uh, with three teams with five wins. And then the fourth place team has four wins, but the Arizona Cardinals pulling out a 37 to 34 win over the Seattle Seahawks in overtime with very little time left in overtime. I might add uh, Russell Wilson, you know, having one of the worst games he's going to have and I say that but he still had 33 of 50 for 388 yards three touchdowns but he had three interceptions uh Kyler Murray had one of the best games that he's going to have all year too 34 48 360 yards three touchdowns and a pick and both quarterbacks on the ground getting it done Murray 14 carries 67 yards and a touchdown Russell Wilson six for 84 you love seeing Russell get it done on the ground Matt do you love this kind of shootout game or do you prefer to see a little bit more defense because I gotta say I thought this was a game as entertaining as all hell yeah, I mean, I, I have to separate them and like to a different tier for me personally. I enjoyed the game. It was fun. It was fun to watch, but also very frustrating when you just the, the team, either team could have won this game. I mean, the opportunities were endless throughout the game. Russell Wilson's three interceptions did not help at all. Um, and I'm not sure if that's all on Russell Wilson. You know, so there appeared to be miscommunication, but I just go back to you can't give teams so many opportunities and you have to really tip your cap to the Cardinals here because you know what, they, they took it. 
They, I mean, you never apologize for winning. That's the one thing we talk about on this show. You never apologize for winning because winning is hard enough in this league as it is. So, you know, kudos to the Cardinals. It was a big statement win. I think um, our good friend Corey Decker said that was the first win in Arizona against Seattle since 2015 or 2012. I'm not sure. Um, it's one of the two. Because 2012 may be the first time since the last time they won against Seattle in Arizona, but um, I can't remember the exact number. I think 2015 was the last time a home team won this matchup. Okay. Um, and since, you know, this is the first time a home team has won this matchup since 2015. Yep. And 2012 for so the that first was the time. Seahawks, obviously. Yeah. And 2012 was the yeah. last time the Cardinals beat Seattle in Arizona. Okay. Thank you, Corey. So, we take a look at this matchup and, you know, you, you got to come away looking at like Kyler Murray as, you know, up there in the quarterback rankings. And at the end of the day, I, I think the MVP expectations were a little bit lofty. Is he going to get there? I, th- I really, I think he's going to be in the top five before it's all said and done at some point in his career, not all time, but per year on an annual basis, you'll see him in the top five quarterback rankings. He, his legs, and his ability to flick the ball, I still think he has a little bit of accuracy issues. But with DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, and Christian Kirk has really shown out lately. Christian mm-hmm. Kirk's been able to do some things. But I still want to see Murray against a better defense. I think the Rams game, when they play the Rams, will be very telling. That's going to be must-watch TV when they go head-to-head with that. Um, as far as the Seahawks go, I, I know they signed Snacks Harrison you know, he, he's a little bit of an upgrade, but this defense is not, not built well enough to really stop any offense as high powered. And if Russell Wilson plays like this, they may not make it very far in the playoffs. And, and I think that's something that we need to really start taking under careful consideration because the 49ers are the type of team where they're just going to keep on punching you and punching you and punching you and wearing you down. And the Rams showed a little bit of a nasty streak against that bears defense. We're like, Hey, you know, we're just going to shove it down your throats. They ran a bunch and you know, those are better defenses than what the Cardinals threw out there. So I'll be very interested to see how Seattle responds to this loss. Yeah, I feel like this is a three-playoff team uh, division regardless. It's just going to be interesting which three teams uh, are the three. So uh, I want, I'm interested to see how that shakes out. Russell did throw three picks. I will say the last one probably should have never happened only because DK Metcalf took a, a throw, <laughs> took a ball to the end zone for the win in overtime, only to be called back on kind of a ticky-tack thing. I, I'll say I don't believe that was the, the greatest call in the world. Regardless, he throws he throws a pick and which totally looked like a miscommunication because there was no one even there, no one in the ball didn't even look like it was going anywhere. It looked like he threw it right to Isaiah Simmons. Um, but I just want to point out before we we, we leave this game, which I think you know, we're, DK back got finished with two catches of twenty three yards, but he made the play of the year. <laughs> I think that most of us are talking about it the next day. Um, he throws uh, Russ throws an interception to uh, Buda Baker safety and he's in the end zone and DK is like three to four yards in the end zone and from a dead stop going the other direction just takes off and Buda already has like a 20 yard advantage on uh, DK at this point and DK chases him down tackles him inside the 10 and Buda Baker looked like he was so shocked that someone was even close to near him uh, and it, it's you could say it's like shades of Leon let but I don't think so because he didn't fumble it and Leon was being kind of cocky and this was BB was a short quick guy and Leon wasn't this was Buda 
he's really fast and DK not letting you score here. I'm chasing you down somehow. And this, and it prevented a touchdown. This happened in, uh, before the first half ended. Um, it is, if you did not get the chance, it is a roller coaster of a play and it ended up preventing a score for the Cardinals. So uh, what do you make of that DK play? You got to love the hustle, and the effort from a guy like that. Oh man, just for that, he would have got my player of the game for Seattle, just for the fact that you, you <laughs> preach to guys, you never give up, but man, could you imagine like if, if Buda Baker had like one of those review mirrors, like, and I think I saw it on a meme, like they showed, like if he had a, re, uh, a yeah. side mirror, he saw the T-Rex coming up from behind him. And I, I give a lot of credit to DK Metcalf. <laughs> that dude is a freak. It is not even fair, like to be that big, that fast. It, it just goes to show. And here I go again, I'm going to tip my cap to the Cardinals yet again. They shut him down almost the entire game. Like, I think he had one catch for 17 yards before that called back touchdown. Like, that's no small feat in my book. Yeah, um, well, they shut down DK, but they let Tyler Lockett have a career game, which he had 15 catches for 200 yards and through all three of Russell Wilson's touchdowns. So, uh, Tyler Lockett, if you, I know someone in fantasy, if you have him, in, if you had him in fantasy, you had a nice day. Uh, him scoring quite a bit on his own right there. And then DeAndre Hopkins on the other side, 10 for 103 and a touchdown. Uh, regardless, you know, lack of defense is alarming. I think Seattle tries to make a move for a pass rusher or two here at the deadline, which is coming up just next Tuesday. So don't be surprised if Seattle's in the market looking for some some defensive help. Jamal Adams should be back um, soon. So that will be a, a boost for sure. Um, but entertaining game. I loved watching, you know, I didn't get to watch this game live due to my schedule, but I watched the games in the next day. So rewatching this game, I was on the edge of my seat like this. This is why we, this is the primetime games we're looking for here. You want the most entertaining games possible and one of the best quarterback matchups possible for primetime. So good on the NFL for doing that. And the NFC West, man, absolutely loaded. And I'm excited to see how that shakes out. But we had a whole slate of Sunday games that were super exciting as well, Matt. Why don't you get us started uh, in our breakdown of week seven? Yep. You know, we're going to go to another just incredibly boneheaded blown game here with Detroit <laughs> against the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta goes up. Okay. So you got to set the stage here. They had the ball. It was, you know, he Todd Gurley runs it inside the 10, not their 10, inside Detroit's 10, touchdown territory here, but they were down by one and they get the first down, but Todd Gurley, wait, he tries to put on the brakes and he goes right into the end zone, scores a touchdown, gave the Lions about 53 seconds to march down the field. And what does Leon Tompkins Lions end up doing? Marching down the damn field and throwing a touchdown pass as Matthew Stafford and the Lions end up winning 23-22. I mean, the stats are just kind of weird here. Stafford, 25 of 36, 340 yards, one touchdown. DeAndre Swift, nine carries for 27 yards, one touchdown. Adrian Peterson, 11 carries for 29 yards. And maybe their missing piece to offense on the lines was Kenny Galladay because six receptions, 114 yards. And then the Falcons. I and mean, all of those catches were insane. If you get the chance to watch those Kenny Galladay catches, they were ridiculous. All of them. Really good catches. And, and then we just go to the snake-bitten Atlanta Falcons. This just gets worse by the week. Matt Ryan, 31 of 42, 338 yards and a touchdown. Played really well. Todd Gurley, 23 carries, 63 yards, two touchdowns. 
And then Julio Jones, eight catches, 97 yards. Calvin Ridley, five for 69 for a touchdown. Hayden Hurst, six for 68. Russell Gage, six for 54. So they were throwing the rock all over the yard, but still find a way to lose. Yeah. Uh, and Todd Gurley, fun fact, also with the Rams in 2018, did the opposite. Uh, and he actually did slide within the five-yard line against the Packers to steal the game when there was time left instead of giving them the ball back when he easily could have walked in the end zone. So it's not like Todd Gurley hasn't been in that situation before. Maybe he did it selfishly for his own stats for incentive purposes. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, of course, the Falcons blow that game in the most Falcons way possible. All right, moving on to the second installation of the Battle of Ohio, where the Cleveland Browns uh, coming away with a win in Baker Mayfield's probably Baker Mayfield's best game as a pro to this point. And it is the Bengals, so I don't want to say it's legit or anything, but at the end of the day, this is the NFL. So Baker Mayfield, 22 of 28, 297 yards, five touchdowns and an interception. By the way, Baker did start 0 for 5 in this game. So the fact that he only finished with six incompletions tells you all you need to know about how Baker played in this game. But Joe Burrow, also the man, rookie, uh, finished 35 to 47, 406 yards, three touchdowns and a pick this game. There were five lead changes in the fourth quarter of this game. This was all hell broke loose in the fourth quarter. And this game, uh, subsequently with the Falcons and Lions game on red zone, was must-see TV. Scott Hansen is the man going back and forth, hyping them both up, like, what is going to happen? Uh, the Bengals are down um, four. They're down three, I should say. And Baker Mayfield hits Donovan Peoples-Jones with seven seconds left in the end zone and a beautiful catch to win the game. And the, the Browns kicker misses the extra points who ruined my plus three and a half bet. But that's besides the point here. Uh, the Bengals uh, get de get defeated in the last minute again. I mean, they, they, this, this, this matchup is going to be so fun for a long time if the Bengals can just put together a little bit of a def defense here. Uh, Tyler Boyd, 11 for 101 and a touchdown. A.J. Green, back-to-back -back decent week, seven catches at 82 yards. This game was insane. I, I love this game. And, I mean – there's an unfortunate injury to Odell Beckham Jr. in this game. He did not play after the first quarter after that Baker Mayfield interception, which we will uh, have details on Odell's injury later on the show. But the Browns are 5-2, and two, and, you know, this division feels like a three-playoff team division. I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender, but I definitely think they are a playoff team. Yep, nice showing by Baker, though, to see him come back after struggling the week before. So good on Baker for that. Then I, I think – Raise your hand if you had the over in the Chargers and Jaguars game, because not many people did. My goodness, Randy, this was, I mean, you talk about quarterback of the future with Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert went off. And when I mean off, he went off 27 of 43, 347 yards, three touchdowns. And three are two of the huge touchdowns came in the third quarter. Um, I'm sorry. He also ran in a touchdown. So he had two touchdowns in the third quarter. The Chargers put up 20 points in the third quarter, but not to be outdone were the Jaguars who put up 15 in the third quarter, 35 total points in the explosive third quarter. The fourth quarter only saw three, and that was a field goal from the Chargers, but good enough to win 39-29 in Justin Herbert, like I said, 347 yards, three touchdowns, nine rushes, 66 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Joshua Kelly was their next leading rusher with 12 carries for 29 yards, but this, I think, shows this team going in the right direction because Keenan Allen had 10 receptions for 125 yards. The man can get open. He said, he, he said he could, he wants to be in that top 100 player mm -hmm. list. He doesn't want any wide receiver in front of him. He runs the best routes, mind you. So 10 for a 125 Jalen Guyton, 
two receptions for 84 yards and a touchdown. Their big play wide receiver. And then Justin Jackson got in the action for five receptions for 43 yards. So, and then we saw Donald Parham for one reception, 22 yards and a big touchdown. So Chargers come through big Jaguars, garbage Minshew, 14 for 27, 173 yards, two touchdowns. And then James Robinson. I don't know who has James Robinson's on their fantasy team, but kudos to you because this kid is balling out 22 carries 119 yards and a touchdown. And then he also had four receptions, 18 yards for a touchdown, but Chenault jr. Had three receptions for 44 yards. O'Shaughnessy three receptions for 32 yards. GJ Chark one for 26. I just feel like Gardner Minshew. They are just waiting at the bit to get their next quarterback to really kind of make this offense more interesting you know, so they have hope. Hopefully that quarterback's not Mike Glennon because I'd rather watch Gardner Minshew. Uh, quick note, can you tell me which round James Robinson was drafted in? He was an undrafted free agent out of Southern Illinois University, my friend. Interesting. Interesting to note that before we move on. Uh, <laughs> moving on to another horrific battle in the NFC East between the Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys, who are representing America's current situation by truly being America's team, by being an absolute disaster uh, on and off the field. The Washington football team wins this game 25-3 to in absolute domination. Uh, Andy Dalton leaves this game early due to an absolute cheap shot by John Bostic. Uh, Dalton was scrambling near the end zone, and as he was sliding, Bostic came in and crushed him down. Uh, he left with a concussion, and he did have a concussion. He's currently in concussion protocol. This game was really boring and kind of sucked a lot, um, unless you have Antonio Gibson in fantasy. He had 20 carries, 128 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Kyle Allen, fine, 15-25, 194 yards, two touchdowns. Terry McLaurin, seven for 90 and a touchdown, a good day for him. And then Logan Thomas made a, a beautiful catch in the end zone for a touchdown. He had four for 60 and a touch. Um, and, you know, the Cowboys are absolutely broken at this point. They had this guy, Ben DiNucci, playing quarterback. Uh, I believe it's Robert Morris or some sort of uh, FCS school he went to. Uh, but, you know, never heard of this guy. He sounds like Vince's Italian cousin coming in and uh, trying to play quarterback, which he looked uh, – and he said after the game, the biggest difference between where he played in uh, this game was the speed and the size of the players, which is alarming to me. If he's that shook by that already, that's not a good sign for their quarterback situation. Uh, Zeke is absolutely broken without Dak. He had 12 for 45. Uh, he had several drops, and I believe he had a fumble that luckily – the Cowboys fell on top of, but can't really say anything good about the Cowboys in this game. Mike McCarthy just absolutely losing the team here already. And it's going to be a long year for Dallas. And I personally would not be shocked if they finished last in the NFC East and Washington. Yay. They're frisky and they might win some games down the stretch here. Um, and if there's any team I'm pulling for to win the East, it's probably them because the giants probably won't. So, all right, Matt, go ahead. Yeah. I just want to comment on that Dallas game real quick. And um, our preseason show randy I, I i said they are the most gutless spineless just pathetic football team imaginable <laughs> and this that hit by bossick how no one came and stuck up for andy dalton i mean I, I don't care if you just signed the guy he's your guy at that point yeah. you got to stick up for him so cowboys fans deserve better Dak, like at this point i don't know how you don't pay the man but a gutless spineless 
bitch made ass football team. Anyway, moving to not a gutless and spineless football team. <laughs> let's talk about our, I think our Super Bowl favorites on this show, the Kansas yeah. City Chiefs just completely, I, I don't know, they find new ways to score every game. They're just like, okay, offense doesn't need to score a lot of points this game. They just beat down the Broncos 43-16. to 16. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire starts off the game with a rushing touchdown for 11 yards. By the way, Denver went three and out on their first possession. Not, not a big surprise. So touchdown Chiefs, then guess what Denver does again? Three and out. And then the Chiefs fumble, oddly enough, and the Broncos score a touchdown from Drew Locke. Scores on a touchdown rushing, so Drew Locke shown his nimble feet there. But then in the second quarter, all hell breaks loose, Randy. Um, is it Daniel Sorensen? Uh, yes. Yeah, or so Daniel. David or Daniel. So, yep, Sorensen scores on a 50-yard touchdown interception, return for a touchdown. And then Pringle after the kickoff scores on a 102 yard kickoff return for a touchdown at that point is 24 to nine at halftime the chiefs have one offensive touchdown and then our guy patrick mahomes his line for the game not very patrick mahomes-esque but 15 of 23 for 200 yards and one touchdown it's like they're saving that weapon for later but Le'Veon Bell, how are they going to use Le'Veon Bell? They have too many weapons. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, eight carries, 46 yards, a touchdown. Le'Veon Bell, six carries, 39 yards. Jacob, I'm sorry, but that's a six and a half yard average. Amazing <laughs> when your team actually knows how to use a guy. Mm-hmm. Nicole Hart, Nicole Hardman had a carry for 13 yards. So really a well-rounded rushing attack. Nicole, Nicole Hardman, two catches, 57 yards. Tyree Kill, six for 55 and a touchdown. Um Nick Kelzer, never even heard of this guy. They just find these guys wherever. Um, two care or two receptions, 36 yards. Travis Kelsey, three for 31, and that pretty much wraps it up. For Denver, I'm just going to say it was bad, you know, really bad. Drew Locke, 24 of 40, 254, and two picks. Um, you know, Bronco fans hate Philip Lindsay, but nine carries, 79 yards. Melvin mm-hmm. Gordon, 17 for 68. And then just uh, just not a lot of good um, from this team. So keep in mind, Melvin Gordon did fumble twice, lost both of them. Yeah, I watched that game, and uh, what I told my fiance was, uh, I love a good snow football game as long as it's not anywhere near me. So uh, nice to see a snow game in October, and I hope it stays very far away from upstate New York for a long time. Okay, moving on now to a place where it didn't matter if it snowed or not, and that is New Orleans, Louisiana, where they play in a dome, and the Saints squeaking out a win over the division rival Panthers 27-24. to Drew Brees 29-36, 287 yards, two touchdowns. Teddy Bridgewater, 23 of 28, 254 yards and two touchdowns. Good quarterback matchup. This guy, these guys both played really well in this game. And even without Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara remains the total package, the switch knife or whatever you want to call him. Just the absolute guy who does everything for this team. He had 14 carries for 83 yards and he had eight catches for 65 yards. He is just the guy Breeze looks to in any situation for a guy he can trust because they did not have Michael Thomas. Uh, Jared Cook caught a touchdown in this game and got hurt on that play. He rolled his ankle pretty bad. It looked rough. Um, you know, they threw this guy Callaway out there, Marquise Callaway. Every time you have a Saints receiver named Marquise, I just automatically think Colston, and it wasn't him, so I was confused. But uh, Marquise Callaway had eight catches for 75 yards, and he, he had 10 targets. I mean, Breeze was looking for him. Um, so, I mean, the Saints, uh, they're getting the job done on the ground because Latavius Murray, 11 carries for 47 yards. Uh, the Probably the last – 
Mike Davis day, maybe not, maybe Thursday would be too soon for CMC, but we'll get to that later. He only had seven carries for 12 yards. They had nothing going on the running game at all. They only had 37 yards rushing as a team. Um, DJ Moore had a nice get nice day, four catches for eight, 93 yards and two touchdowns. And uh, I'll say this, the, the Panthers had a chance to tie the game late. Teddy Bridgewater took a brutal sack to push back the field goal attempt. Uh, and then Joey Sly, who was on the COVID-19 list all week, gets cleared on Saturday, and he attempted a 65-yard field goal that was short by about a half a yard. That would have been the record uh, in NFL history. So you walk away from that one as a Panthers fan and say, you know, I wish Teddy didn't take the sack, and, you know, maybe we're going in overtime. You never know what happens. But I'm not too discouraged if I'm a Panthers fan going forward because you went toe-to-toe with a division rival and you barely lost, and if I'm a Saints – and I'm happy just to get away, get get a, uh, get out with a win any way I can get it at this point because you're you're kind of up and breezes on his last lick. So, all right, Matt, take us, uh, move us on, move us on. All right, I, and you know what, Randy, I, I we talked about games that were down to the wire. For my money, this was the game of the day on Sunday, the five and O Pittsburgh Steelers versus the five and O Tennessee Titans, and this game did not disappoint. Early in the game, just so everyone, just for complete transparency, Pittsburgh was up, I believe, at one point, 27 to 7. So I, I, I'm going off in the chat saying this game's over. Pittsburgh looks great. Then Ben Roethlisberger does Ben Roethlisberger things and throws three picks. But the final line for Roethlisberger, 32 of 49, 268 yards, two touchdowns, three picks. James Conner, another quality game, 20 carries, 82 yards. Um, Benny Snell had two carries for two yards and a touchdown. Deontay Johnson is really a nice compliment to Juju Smith-Schuster. Nine receptions, 80 yards, two touchdowns. Juju Smith-Schuster had nine receptions for 85 yards. Eric Ebron, six for 50. So Pittsburgh really spreading the ball around and the Titans. Poor Stephen, or Stephen Guskowski. Couldn't get any worse. He had a field goal and just went wide right, I believe. Wide right or wide left. But could have tied the game. Should have tied the game. Easy chip shot for Giskowski. You kind of see why Bill Belichick cut him now, as ruthless as Billy Belichick is. Uh, Tanny, 18 for 30, 220 yards, two touchdowns, quietly marching to a possible MVP consideration. Derrick Henry, 20 carries, 75 yards, and a touchdown. A.J. Brown, let that let that name be heard worldwide. A.J. Brown, stud. six stud, yes, six catches, 153 yards and a touchdown, six receptions for Corey Davis for 35 and a touchdown. But the prevailing thought was this game is if when Pittsburgh is on, this is the only team, in my opinion, that would really give Kansas city a struggle out of the AFC. And that's why I put Pittsburgh number one in the power rankings this week, Randy, but this was a hell of a game hats off to Pittsburgh and Tennessee. This was good physical football. I loved every minute of it. And I look forward to watching these teams, hopefully meeting up in the playoffs again. Yeah, A.J. Brown gives me Julio Jones vibes. He kind of looks like him on the field versus the same number, which helps too. And 
shout out to the Pittsburgh Steelers and you know my, my future father-in-law and all the other Steelers fans in the group. Uh, the Steelers, the only remaining undefeated team in 2020. So shout out to them the first time they are uh, 6-0 in like 40 years. So, uh, you know, a, a franchise as successful as the Steelers, it's kind of surprising, but uh, good for them, good for their fans uh, after last year. So uh, good for Big Ben. I mean, Big Ben was out all last year too. All right, from the game of the day to the worst game of the day, and it's always uh, it's a ritual here to have the worst game of the day be the New York Jets. Uh, but they were up 10-0 in this game, believe it or not. Uh, Sam Darnold making his return to play for the Jets, and it really wasn't much better than it was. Uh, but it's 12-23 for Darnold, 120 yards, zero touchdowns, and two interceptions. Not, no bueno there. Uh, Frank Gore, 11 carries, 60 yards, no touchdowns. Michael P. Ryan, 11 carries for 39 yards. And a nice move for a touchdown to dive into the end zone. And then uh, I believe what we who we were lambasted for uh, not believing as an MVP, but Josh Allen, uh, 30 of 43, 307 yards, zero interceptions. Uh, he also had 11 carries for 61 yards. So he had a lot of yards, no scores. Um, the Bills, all of their points coming from field goals in this game. They had two field goals in the second, third, and fourth quarter. So that obviously adds up to 18. This game stunk unless you're a Cole Beasley fantasy owner and played him this week because then he had 11 catches for 112 yards. Um, Stephon Diggs, quiet game, six catches for 48 yards. But the Jets, this was the first time the Jets looked like they cared about a game in a while because the defense showed up, looked like the rookies played pretty, played pretty well. Quinton Williams had a nice game. Um, the Jets are obviously selling players here, and I think that's smart. But you need to see what you have for some you know, potential future building blocks, if at all. I don't think I would trade Quinton Williams unless you know you got like, quite a bit back for him. But there's other pieces that you can trade instead. Um, but you know, this is probably the most the Jets are going to try all season. And this is probably the closest that they were going to get to a win all year. I'm sorry, Jacob, but uh, you know, 10 nothing, you know, must have felt nice. And then they're up 10 6 at halftime. And you know, nothing, nothing doing in the second half. So the Jets 0 and 7, the Bills now 5 and 2. All right, Matt, move us on for us. By the way, Josh Allen, not my MVP. Awful performance, in my not opinion. My All right. So we go from one MVP to, you know, a, a talked about MVP to maybe the real MVP in the NFL this year. And Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to Vegas. They fall down early, seven to nothing, but no matter, don't worry. Here comes Captain Film Study, Tom Brady, and he proceeds to hang 45, 45 points on this depleted Las Vegas Raider team. Now, we do have to mention, obligated, the Raiders had only one starting offensive lineman at the end of the game. Everyone else was a backup. They had two offensive linemen on the COVID-19 list, and they knocked out two other linemen throughout the course of this game. So the Raiders were very severely undermanned, but Tom Brady goes 33 of 45 for 369 yards, four touchdowns, just an absolute dime ball to Scotty Miller. If you guys haven't watched that pass, it was gorgeous. Um, Leonard Fournette, 11 carries, 50 yards. Ronald Jones, 13 carries for 34 yards and a touchdown. Tom Brady, one carry, one yard, one touchdown, an average of one yard per carry. Scott Miller, as we said, six receptions, 109 yards, a touchdown. Chris Godwin developing a chemist, some chemistry with the Brady with Brady, but some bad news. And we'll get to that later. Nine receptions, 88 yards and a touchdown. Mm -hmm. Gronk Gronk looks a little bit back to me. Gronk looked really good mm -hmm. this game. Five receptions, 62 yards and a touchdown. This team's going to be very difficult, especially when you have Leonard Fournette with six receptions and 47 yards. 
The Buccaneers are not going to be a fun team to play. Derek Carr will tell you that personally. He went 24 of 36 for 284 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Um, just really, Josh Jacobs, 10 carries, 17 yards, 1.7 yards per carry. He is really starting to fall off the wagon here. Not looking good. Jalen Richard, seven carries, 24 yards. They could not run against this Tampa front at all. Uh, Receiving-wise, Nelson Aguilar, sneaky fantasy pickup here. If he's still out there on the fantasy wire, he shouldn't be. He's becoming one of Carr's favorite targets. He is a must-add. Five receptions, 107 yards, and one touchdown. Darren Waller, six receptions, 50 yards, one touchdown. That's about it for the Raiders. 45-20, Bucks go to 5-2, and two, and the Raiders go to 3-3. Three and three. Yeah, we'll touch on the Godwin situation in just a little bit. And, yeah, Gronk looks back to me, so uh, it's going to be scary if Gronk is fully back. All right, moving on to Texas, where the Green Bay Packers have a bounce-back win after losing two said Buccaneers. They get a 35-20 to win over the Texans, and it really was not all that close. This game was 28-7 to in the fourth quarter, and the Texans would score 13 points in garbage time in the fourth. Uh, Rodgers back on track here, 23-34, of 34, 283 yards, four touchdowns. So looking like that Bucks game is either really impressive for the Bucks defense or just a fluke for Rodgers. Regardless, uh, he's back on track. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Jones late scratch in this game. He's uh, he, they said he was out about an hour before kickoff. So that uh, entered Jamal Williams. He had 19 carries 77 yards and a touchdown. He is a beast. I mean, he played well for them last year in spurts too. So this really wasn't that surprising, but second round pick AJ Dillon, not getting a whole lot of love, five carries for 11 yards, um, questionable decision to draft him and not use him all that much. And there's a similar situation with cam Akers uh, in LA. So I don't know what these teams are doing, but this make no doubt about it. This game was the Devonte Adams show and he is solidifying himself as a top three receiver in the league uh he had 13 catches 196 yards and two touchdowns he was ridiculous he made so many plays in this game he is absolutely insane uh, obviously rogers favorite target might be rogers best best receiver he ever had i mean that's maybe a reach right now but i wouldn't put it too far past it right now i think he's so talented and playing so well right now that you know i know he loved jordy nelson and greg jennings was really good for a long time but Devonte adams has put his name up there as far as packers receivers goes uh for aaron Rodgers. deshaun watson i mean like i said garbage time situation here for him but 29 to 39 309 yards two touchdowns david johnson not really making a strong push for that 1,000, 1,000, he had 14 carries, 42 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, and he also had five catches for 43 yards. Uh, actually, he might have had four for 42. There's two D Johnsons here. I'm not sure which is which. But regardless, not really making a strong push for that 1,000, 1,000. And the Texans now one in six. Uh, maybe I'm trying to sell some of these receivers. But the Packers, five and one, looking like one of the best teams in the NFC. And uh, the Texans maybe looking for uh, a way to – end the season sooner rather than later. Yep. Moving on from that game to probably one of the scarier developments in the NFL this year. And that is the San Francisco 49ers completely manhandling teams, just out coaching them out physicalizing them, just whatever. So then Bill Belichick was at the brunt of that this week, Randy, as the San Francisco 49ers absolutely unequivocally, undisputedly demolished the New England Patriots 33 to six. And this game was over as soon as they blew the whistle to start the game. Um, we take a look at Jimmy Garoppolo, 20 for 25, 277 yards and two interceptions, no touchdowns. 
but never fear. Their 15,000th running back is here to save the day for them. <laughs> Jeff Wilson, 17 carries, 112 yards, and three touchdowns against that Patriots defense, who some people say is one of the top-tier defenses in the NFL. I do not see that. Uh, Jermichael, yep, And then here we go. Jamichael Hasty, nine carries for 57 yards. Kyle Jusak, four carries for 18 yards and a touchdown. This team just runs at you and runs at you and runs at you. Brandon Ayuk does six receptions for 115 yards. Debo Samuel has five catches for 65 yards. And Debo Samuel also carried the ball three times for seven yards. George Kittle, five for 55. And then uh, Jusek with one catch, 18 yards. Jermichael Hasty, one, one reception for 16 yards. So, I mean, they are a team full of weapons. And I don't know how they keep on finding these running backs. But, you know, they are going to have to keep on digging. And we'll get to that on a minute in a minute here. But we go take a look at the New England Patriots. And Cam Newton got benched, Randy. He was that awful. 9 of 15, 98 yards with three interceptions. Not a touchdown, nothing, not a zilch, three picks. Jared Stidham comes in and is like, Cam, I'll see your three interceptions and go to one. Six for 10, 64 yards and a pick. Nothing on the ground outside of Damian Harris. Damian Harris, 10 carries, 58 yards, just nothing receiving-wise. Jacoby Myers, four catches, 60 yards. All that Nikhil Harry talk, one catch, six yards. Julian Edelman, one for 13. This Patriots team is in a downward spiral, and it is sinking fast. So with that being said, we see our 49ers move to 33. I'm sorry, to four and three after being two and three. And then the New England Patriots fall to two and four. We may see a division that sends every single team to the playoffs in the NFC West. Uh, yeah, that would be crazy if that happened. Uh, and it, it can happen now with the expanded playoffs. So uh, we'll see how that shakes out. Um, and it's it's going to be <laughs> pretty impressive if that's the case. Um, as far as the Patriots go, they need more from Cam Newton. And he said that after the game, he, he said, you know, this is going to be a permanent situation if I don't play better. And he, he knows that maybe it's COVID, maybe not. I don't want to make excuses for him. He played horrible. And uh, he, he's had has not played well since you know that game in Seattle. So uh, See, the Patriots are in trouble. Yeah, and, and and this is what I was saying when everyone was like, "Well, Cam's out there, Cam's out there," and at some point you got to take responsibility and see how you know it's not it wasn't just the Panthers fault some of it had to fall on Cam and we're yeah. seeing that in New England Cam is not the super accurate quarterback and we saw you know against a, a very good 49ers team so. It might be time to close that chapter on Cam being a franchise quarterback. Yeah, they got to uh, – I mean, if he can't make it work with Bill Belichick, then maybe he got to look in the mirror. So, uh, you know, like like Jacob said, all, all of the fans in the AFC East are pretty happy to see the Patriots being bad. So, uh, good for them. Uh, and maybe it's the Dolphins' time to shine. Maybe it's the Bills' time to shine. Who knows? We'll see how that division shakes out. All right, moving on now. We got some news and injuries to talk about. First, we got a, some receiver news and it's Antonio Brown, who we speculated was going to sign with the Seattle Seahawks. It's official. He's signing a one-year league minimum deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What? <laughs> Where is he going to fit in with this team? I guess maybe a Godwin injury helps. But still, uh, you can tell me that Tom Brady didn't have anything to do with this, but it sure feels like he did, Matt. What do you make of this uh, situation down in Tampa? 
this is totally Tom Brady. And so everyone kind of understands what's going on here on the landscape. So Mike Florio laid this out. I was, you know, always like to listen to Mike Florio provides good information. He used to be an ex-lawyer. So um, Antonio Brown has a court date for a sexual assault and domestic battery. Um, I, I'm sorry, it's actually a lawsuit for rape and domestic battery. So that goes to court in mid-December. So Antonio Brown has yet to give his deposition to the court. That is going to be very telling because the NFL is going to wait to see if they should suspend Antonio Brown or not, depending on the deposition and what the court finds. So if he admits guilt at this point, he is definitely suspended for life from the NFL. That has been pretty much bantied about, and that's the direction they will go. Uh, depending if he's uncooperative, like he was with the apartment lawsuit, Antonio Brown will be suspended for multiple seasons, it sounds like. And his stint with the Bucks will be very short, and I would imagine they would cut him anyway. So Antonio Brown is not out of the woods. Maybe he gives them a few weeks, depending on how this court case goes. But it's going to be very interesting to watch and see what happens on that front. But as far as a football player goes, if anybody can make this work, it's probably Tom Brady. Tom Brady has pretty much universal respect around the NFL. Good for him. He's, you know, he's got three Super Bowls to get that respect. So, you know, definitely give him a lot of credit with that. And, you know, at the end of the day, I would like to see some success and Antonio Brown turn around his life. Yeah, I think that's important. And uh, at the end of the day, these are people. So hopefully uh, there is no wrongdoing there and I'm not accusing anyone of anything. And if he did go do wrong, then he deserves to be reprimanded for that. So uh, as far as legally goes, I have no take on that. I have uh, no opinion. I have no idea what happened. And the, the, the justice system in this country may, while flawed, uh, will probably do their jobs much better than I could. So uh, as far as this current situation goes, he is suspended until the end of next week. So he cannot even suit up for the buck until week nine so uh we'll we'll find out if we're going to see number 81 is the number that they announced he's going to wear a suit up for the bucks uh after the giants week thankfully so it's not going to happen against the new york football giants all right the other receiver which came out today which signed he has not been on a roster in two years due to injuries and all other all other type of stuff which is des bryant's back in the nfl kind of uh he signed with a, a practice squad contract with the baltimore ravens he's 31 years old has not played in two years and let me try to figure out uh he had some serious injury issues matt but regardless you know do you expect to see des bryant play with the ravens i mean they are the last in the nfl with receptions which is only 58 and last in receiving yards with 737 maybe des could offer you know a large target for lamar jackson i think they're going to try to make it work for sure i think he'll play a game you know if not multiple for the ravens offense uh, you know, with guys that are out for a long time, it's always iffy, you know, because you do get to rest your body a little bit, but it also feels like you're rusty and your skills may have dis diminished because you're not always training. It's one thing to work out, but it's another thing to actually have that physical contact with your body. But I, I definitely foresee Des Bryant at least playing one game with the Ravens this year, and I do not know how much of a difference that will make. 
So in November of 2018, he did sign a one-year contract uh, for league minimum with the Saints. And before he could even play a game, his very first practice, he tore his Achilles. So he has yet to play a game since then. I don't know how well uh, players come back from Achilles injuries, but uh, I don't hate Des Bryant in the way that I probably should, given that he's a former Cowboy. But And he hasn't even played a game since December of 2017. So if the Ravens get anything out of him, I'm sure they'll be happy about that. And he seems uh, thankful and motivated. He said that his emotions were running high and he's he can't stop crying. So, you know, good for him on a comeback and I uh, wish him nothing but the best. All right. Uh, now we have injuries to talk about. Unfortunately, one of my favorite players in the league, I don't hide that. And one, one of my favorite players on the Giants that they've had in the last decade, Odell Beckham Jr. tears his ACL on the Baker Mayfield interception, trying to make a tackle. If you look at the replay, his foot plants and his knee goes the other way. It is a basically your textbook ACL injury. Uh, I feel terrible for Odell because it seems like every time he gets hurt, it typically is something fluky and related to the quarterbacks. So uh, Odell done here. And, you know, maybe many people will say this is better for the Browns. I don't agree, but uh, I think it sucks for OBJ. He might not ever be the same after this. Yeah. I feel like this injury is probably the end of his Browns career. I, I think we can probably say that at the very least, it seems like they're ready to move on anyway. Um, just really sad to see. And hopefully it's not his last stand because I, I think he's a widely misunderstood player, but at the same time, he did bring some situations onto himself. Yeah. But, it, but at, at the end of the day, you know, you hate to see any talented football player with the talent level of OBJ get hurt. And I hope he gets another chance, but I do think that was effectively the end of the ending of his career with the Browns. I don't know about that. I mean, we'll find out, but I mean, he, he, I think he tore it early enough in the season where he could be ready for opening week next year. Uh, I think that isn't even a doubt. It would be almost a full calendar year, 11 months or so. So oh yeah, yeah um, he'll be ready. He can easily come back in time for that. Yeah. I think the Brown, I mean, Baker posted on Instagram after the game that this win was for him. I think that they do like him on the team. Obviously Jarvis Landry is still on the team, so he might have some say in that. I don't know if they're really going to let Jarvis Landry have any say, but it does seem like they all, all the players get along with him in Cleveland. There isn't as much a media circus surrounding Odell as much as they, it was in New York. So uh, I know that he gets blamed for a lot of the issues, which I think I will always think is unfair, but regardless, uh, the Browns are going to be without Odell Beckham Jr. Moving forward. So we'll see how the, that, that works out for Cleveland. All right, another receiver, Chris Godwin, on that touchdown catch from Tom Brady that we talked about fracturing his finger, and he had surgery today, and he's expected to miss at least this week, but I can't imagine he's going to be back anytime soon, uh, especially when you're a receiver. You kind of need your fingers, <laughs> but I don't know, Matt. What do you make of uh, Chris Godwin's uh, injury situation? Uh, to me, this is a two-, three-week injury, really, depending on how bad the break is. Um but it's, I don't think it's something that's going to keep him out for the entire season, but it's definitely going to keep him out for a little while. So you hate to see it. He's such a good player. He had such a good year last year. And with Brady, he seems to finally be developing that rapport with him. And he's been kind of hurt a little bit all year. Like he's never yeah. been 100%. So it just kind of makes you wonder how good Tampa Bay could be. If he's healthy, Evans is healthy. Um, obviously, O.J. Howard's out for the year, but with um, I know Cameron Bray and Gronkowski, and they just have a lot of weapons. Scotty Miller's really showing up, playing really good football. Mm -hmm. and then you add A.B., and then you have Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. So to me, I think the Godwin injury hurts 
a lot more than I think people may realize because he just feels like that th- their guy, that explosive wide receiver. But mm-hmm. leave it to Brady to find a short white guy to exploit coverages in Scott Miller. So, <laughs> yeah. I actually thought Godwin was going to be the beneficiary the most from having Tom Brady because he is more of a slot guy and Evans would probably be the guy who got hurt a little bit more. Evans has had some success in the red zone this year, obviously, but um, Evans in general has been the guy who struggled more than anyone, I think, in this offense. So maybe it's time for Evans and Brady to come up with a plan together now. All right, Andy Dalton, moving on now to a couple of concussions. Andy Dalton with a concussion, which we talked about on a dirty hit by John Bostic. Uh, he's currently in concussion protocol. If he cannot play, it looks like it's Ben DiNucci time for the Dallas Cowboys. And then I know they tried to sign David Blau off of the practice squad for the Lions, but the quarterback situation looks pretty bleak in Dallas if Andy Dalton cannot go. Yeah, you talk about from bad to worse. I mean, this team's already two and five. They didn't do anything with Andy Dalton at their the helm. And then you see that concussion, and they just stood around with their hands in their pockets. And then you got Mike McCarthy calling them out. I mean, this team is just screwed. And I would not be surprised if this is the team that doesn't win a game for the rest of the year. Two and 14, obviously, they're going to get some guys back from that offensive line. I I don't think this is indicative of their long-term record, but they have a real ability next year, Randy, to really shore up that defense, depending on what they do with Dak. And this, to me, if they end up with the second overall pick, the thing that they can, I mean, they're going to get a boatload to trade for. So to me, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for this team to go get like a David Blau or, you know, Sam Darnold's out there. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets say, hell, just, just get him out of here. Or even, you know, I, I know it's not likely, but Mitch Trubisky, you know, call the Bears about Trubisky. The Bears would gladly take one of your wide receivers off your hands, <laughs> you know, but we know that's not happening. But you Ryan know, this, Fitzpatrick, go, go trade yeah, for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, yeah, there are guys out there, you know, no need to sugarcoat it. You don't like them. You don't like Andy Dalton. You, you don't like right. Ben DiNucci and you don't like uh, David Blau. So, right. I, I think the Cowboys are already punting on the year. They traded Everson Griffin today, as you mentioned, uh, for a sixth round pick. So, uh, and that was for the Lions. And I mean, look, they might be punting and they might not be, but regardless, they're not going to be very good this year, uh, especially if they're, they're punting, they're throwing Ben DiNucci out there each week. So uh, another concussion, Allen Robinson left out last night's game with a concussion. Anything more you can tell me about that? No, not really. You know, they flew in, they got landed back in Chicago at about 10 AM Chicago time. Um, yeah, it looked bad when you saw the replay. You know, you saw it in real time. It didn't look that bad. And then you watched it in slow motion and the back of the helmet hit, his forehead slammed into the ground. You know, that's kind of like, yeah, it makes you worry. But I think Allen Robinson's probably going to be out next week because I think that concussion was more severe than what he let on. That's when he got taken off the field by the officials and he started yapping at them and stuff, right? I think I did see that. So uh, officials doing their job at the end of the day, right? Yeah, and to me, it's kind of ridiculous that you would you, you saw the hit and you didn't flag it for helmet to helmet contact because that's what you're trying to get rid of anyway. But yeah. you know, it is what it is, and kudos to the referees for trying to protect the player from himself. Right, because uh, any of ourselves, any of us in that situation wouldn't want to come out of the game either. So, all right, moving on. Kenyon Drake with a high ankle sprain looks like he's going to get put on IR. Hello, Chase Edmonds time in fantasy is all I'll say about that. <laughs> I mean, Edmonds has looked better than Drake. I mean, he looked more explosive Sunday night. And Edmonds might be able to give him a different aspect. But I still think they need that power runner. 
But with Kyler Murray, he can cover up so many holes in the running game just by his legs by himself. He's almost an instant first down on third down. So I'm not too concerned about their running game. All right, and this one hurts me because I have uh, so much Chris Carson stock in fantasy, but he had a foot sprain. He left the game super early, and this is the second time he's had a, a lower body injury. Uh, it, they haven't ruled him out or anything, but it seems like it's pretty serious and he could miss a few weeks. There's no way he plays this weekend. There's literally no way that he's going to play this weekend. So, yep, if you're a fantasy owner, find a, get, get your backup in. Yep. All right. Two 49ers injuries, which seems to be a trend each and every week. But Debo Samuel, after returning from injuries uh, recently, uh, left this game with a hamstring problem. And then Jeff Wilson, who had three touchdowns against the Patriots uh, on one of the touchdowns, rolled his ankle pretty bad, also has a high ankle issue. It looks like one of these guys is going to be placed on IR and the other one's going to miss a couple weeks. Yeah. With Debo, first of all, with the hamstring issue, and that was what kind of bothered him earlier in the year as well. And kind of what he came back from at this point, you just got to rest it, you know, give it as much time as you want because you can't afford Debo not to be there. But with Wilson, I mean, was that their fourth running back, fifth running back? So at some point, you know, you figure the 49ers train of running backs has to stop somewhere, but I don't know if it will. So we'll see, but this really puts the 49ers in a bind. They still play good defense. They still got a really good offensive line and they have a quarterback that loves throwing the ball to the other team. So it'll be interesting <laughs> to see where this goes. Can we give my guy, Jerk McKinnon some love now, please? Cause he absolutely killed me. I mean, come on now. I mean, you just give my guy uh, some chances out there. And he did, he got like two carries in garbage time last week. So maybe, maybe Jarek McKinnon time. And I believe Tevin Coleman might be coming back from injury this week. So there's a opportunity for them to get him back into the rotation. So, okay. Uh, Thursday night, we have a Thursday night football game featuring the NFC South and it is the Atlanta Falcons going to Carolina to play the Panthers. And this is just the season from hell from the Al Falcons. And this, like we talked about in the off season seems to be a trend each and uh, ever since Super Bowl 51, where they blew a 28 to three lead. They just find new ways to lose games. Uh, as we said in the recap, Todd Gurley has a chance to seal the game. The, the Lions have no timeouts with 53 seconds left. They're down one. He can have run, taken it to the two. They could have taken a knee uh, and then they could have kicked a game winning field goal, which isn't guaranteed by any means, but at least the Lions didn't get the ball back. Uh, Gurley slip up. Maybe he did it on purpose. I don't know, but regardless uh, the Falcons going to go and try to get a, get off the schneid against the Panthers. But to me, the Panthers are in a much better situation, a much better coach team, a much better team from top to bottom at this point. And it feels like the Panthers are primed to win this game. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. You know, when the culture and the mindset becomes toxic and I don't think the Falcons have a bad group of players and that's what I want to say by toxic, but the toxic is like not having confidence to close out a game. And it kind of makes you wonder. So you got rid of Dan Quinn, but that didn't solve the problem. You're still blowing leads and mm-hmm. making bad football plays. So now it kind of feels like you got to make personnel moves, you know, and I know no one wants to trade a quarterback the caliber of Matt Ryan. I mean, he's been a great quarterback in the NFL. You don't want to trade a Julio Jones, but you talk about accelerating a rebuild, like the draft capital that you can get for a guy like Matt Ryan alone for a team that's close. Um, You know, the Vikings can't dabble in that, you know, obviously, but the 49ers, what, what would the 49ers be willing to give up for a Matt Ryan? 
you know, a Julio Jones. What would the Bears be willing to give up for a Julio Jones? You know, so you they can't to- trade Julio. They can't. He's the whole franchise. I'd be shocked if they traded Julio Jones. I, I get it, but at some point you, you got to take a look at this roster and be like, you know what? We're just – are you going to win a Super Bowl with this team or not? And that's where I – you know, and I'm going to circle back. We're going full circle at the beginning of the show, the Bears here. You know, it's interesting with the Bears too because I go back to if you're not going to win a Super Bowl with what you have, you need to figure out a way to have that next window become open sooner rather than later. And, you know, if I'm the Bears, if I'm the Falcons, everything's on the table for me. There is not one player that's untouchable. I get that you're the franchise, Julio, and he's been paid handsomely for it. But at at the end of the day, you have to move on from an era because this Falcons team, are they going to win a – with this current setup, are they going to win a Super Bowl with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones? Well, they were about as close as any team ever could be, and they didn't. So, no. Yeah, so, I mean, this is what they are at the end of the day. And I don't think it's Julio, and I don't think it's Matt Ryan. It's not. No, it's definitely not. But at the same time, you got to blow this thing up now. It's time. They they had a hell of a run. They made a lot of history. There's a lot of great memories to be had with these Falcons team. But, man, get that draft capital. Pick the players. Get your personnel department in order. Get your new head coach. Get You know, especially – if the head coach wants to keep Ryan and Julio, more power to you. Keep Ryan and Julio. But you have to figure out the best way to rebuild this thing faster rather than slower. Because if you keep Ryan, that clock is ticking, Randy. I'm not sure how many more years he has left along with Julio. Yeah, I mean, if you want to try to trade Julio, there are plenty of teams who need wide receivers, like your Bears, the Patriots definitely need a wide receiver. You know, there are plenty of teams Packers. out there looking for weapons. The Packers, could you? oh my God, could you imagine Julio and Devontae Adams on the same team? That'd be ridiculous. The 49ers would love to add a Julio Jones. I mean, even if they couldn't add a Matt Ryan. Um, the sleepy, sleeper team, if you're going to move on to Matt Ryan, I don't think it happens midseason. I think it would happen in the offseason. And the guy who loves acquiring these veteran quarterbacks who are already established is – John Elway. If Drew Locke continues to have a poor season, he might be willing to cut ties because he's not a great GM to begin with. He's not great at uh, drafting. Maybe he looks at a guy like Matt Ryan, who's already established and tries to bring him in. Regardless, we have a football game here Thursday to talk about on the Panthers side of things. Like I said, they barely lost that game to the Saints. They have looked really good in spurs this year they also lost that game to the bears uh this could be the week that christian mccaffrey's back he practiced today it didn't look like he did all that much but they are optimistic that he could return which would be the end for mike davis but i love what the panthers done without christian mccaffrey robbie anderson having a career resurgence dj moore looks really good Teddy Bridgewater in Matt Rule's system looks like a really good quarterback. And I'm happy for Teddy Bridgewater considering how it ended with the Vikings and the Jets kind of just trading him to be the backup in new Orleans. Now Teddy Bridgewater finally getting an opportunity to show what he's capable of. So Matt, I want to say Christian McCaffrey coming back this week. uh, What kind of impact can he have on the Panthers offense? Even if it gives them 10 or 12 touches, it really spreads out a Falcons defense that isn't that good. I mean, let's face facts. This Falcons defense, it's like they put bubble gum on holes in a boat. You know, the water is still (laughs) going to come through. So to, to me, I think the Panthers win this game with or without McCaffrey. It helps. It kind of tunes them up for next week. But to me, this is a perfect get right game for the Panthers to get back on track after the bears and saints. 
you know, I just, I have a lot of confidence that the Panthers win this thing running away. Yeah, if I'm the Panthers, I hold off on CMC for another week. This is a short week. Let him come back in 10 days when he has plenty of time to recover and you're not questioning anything, you're not rushing anything because, God forbid, anything, uh, another injury happened because of it. So uh, I'm going to make a prediction here. I'm going to say Panthers 27, uh, Falcons 20, and the game's really not all that close, Matt. Yeah, I'm going to go Panthers 31, and I'm going to go Falcons 17 on this one. All right, and we will uh, make sure to recap that game on Friday when we come back here. Uh, but, Matt, you have a audible fantasy update for us in the 12-team league. Yeah, surprisingly enough, I won in that league this uh, this week. It was a battle. Um, I beat Akil. Our, you know, he lost like the Patriots lost this past week, and now I have officially moved to four and three. So I'll give you guys a quick rundown of our standings. It is – it is very reflective of our regions. The East Division, Randy, in our league, Team Loves Tacos, which is a keel, leading that division at three and four, followed by the Shit Rockers by who we shall not name, Ryan Shiner, <laughs> three and four. The Little Giants are in third place at two and five, and lots of luck, our guy Sean Connor Flannery at one and six. <laughs> our Central Division, the Mafia is leading at five and two. That's our guy. That's my guy, Chris Frederick, fellow White Sox fan and Bears fan. Um, EJ, who is the Cowboy fan in our wonderful division, our wonderful league here. Um, the Thunderbolts are at five and two. Our guy, Felipe Melizio, growing the man at four and three. And Foles Me Once is at three and four to the bottom of that division. And then the West. Easy Breezy is at five and two. Uh, the undefeated team has lost two in a row. Interesting to see how they're going to bounce back from that. Corey Decker and myself, Arizona Outlaws, and me, it's all a problem, are tied at four and three. And the pistol offense, Christopher Hopper at three and four. So the West and the North are holding it down while the East is going to get a playoff team. <laughs> amazing how that represents the current state of the nfl right there that's impressive uh i will just give a quick 10 team fantasy audible fantasy update and i just absolutely crapped the bed after my impressive performance to improve to 500 last week when you live with the falcons you die with the falcons because matt ryan and julio jones could not get the job done for me and worst things comes to worst i lose to casey todd who was winless on the season and i gave him his first win he's now one in six 90 90 Point twelve to eighty two point seventy two. Uh, Brett Sanchez, Blazing Brett gets a win. He improves to four and three, one hundred forty four to one fifteen. Uh, he actually gives Aiden his first loss of the season, so good for him. Uh, and my buddy Aiden, <laughs> no, my buddy uh, Anthony, uh, NY Dolpy loses a shootout here to Ricky. Uh, he loses one fifty two to one forty one, which is just some bad luck right there. Uh, Danny Dimes, 175 to oh, oh, 110 over you, Matt Bushnell. He absolutely crushes you like a grape. Uh, he improves to five and two. He had the Devontae Adams just pouring that right on your head. Uh, and then our friend Jacob gets uh, gets back on track here. He gets a close win over Aiden. Uh, he's 99 to 94, squeaking out at the skin of your teeth there, Matt. Uh, what's going on here? Are you getting just destroyed against uh, teams every week in this league? You know, um, when you take on the mantra of Jay Cutler, your team kind of develops that kind of attitude. <laughs> so it's a lot of who cares, uh, you know, <laughs> tell March to go F himself. So, yeah, no, I mean, I, I 
injuries, you know, a little bit of everything. Kareem Hunt, you know, needed, you know, it didn't need to be the Baker Mayfield show. It needed to be the Kareem Hunt show. Uh, DK Metcalf didn't do much. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire touchdown, but that's looking shakier. So it's a struggle. It's too bad you don't get fantasy points for the hustle play that DK made. You should get automatic 10 points for that play alone. I mean, that, that's right? the play of the weekend. So, <laughs> All right, Matt. Uh, we're going to – before we say goodbye here, we're going to just mention some waiver pickups here if you're, you're scrambling to try to get a, a running back or a receiver or something to, to fill in or you're missing Kyler Murray for this week like I am. Uh, it's going to give some fan, uh, waiver targets. Matt, anyone you're targeting this week to uh, pick up? I mean, Antonio Brown at this point, you know, try to sneak him on my <laughs> roster. <laughs> um, it, it, it really is all a problem right now in the NFL with backups and running backs. Um, I don't have an answer for running back. I'm going to wait to see what the 49ers go with. Um, it, it's a real possibility yeah. that I look at maybe a Jermichael Hasty. Um, if you don't have Brandon Ayuk yep. yet, I like Brandon Ayuk, uh, Nelson Aguilar, as like I said, if he is not picked up yet, pick him up because there's a trend there. He loves throwing to him. So those would be three names I'd keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aguilar, I like for a receiver Donovan Peoples Jones. I like a lot. Um, Rashard Higgins for the Browns, Noel Dodd-Beckham Jr. So the ball is going to get spread around a lot more in Cleveland. Harrison Bryant, uh, no Austin Hooper again this week. He already is labeled out for this week. So if you need a tight end, Harrison Bryant could be a guy on your radar. He had two touchdowns last week. I have Chris Carson in three fantasy leagues, so I'm all in on Carlos Hyde, who also happens to be dealing with a hamstring problem. So if he's out, then I might be screwed to beyond belief. Uh, I have Jarek McKinnon still, so I'm not going to tell you to pick him up. But God, I hope the Niners somehow find a way to get him involved in the game plan. Uh, and also Chase Edmonds probably already owned quite a bit in leagues, but you know, I'd take a stab and see if he's out there because the Cardinals offense is good enough. Uh, they are on a buy, but I will say this, uh, in anticipation for my Kyler Murray buy, I picked up Tua Tunga by who's going to be making his debut this Sunday. So, uh, I don't know how well he's going to play, but I've taken a chance and sticking him in there in my lineup this week, uh, in place of Kyler Murray. So, all right, well, those are some waiver targets for you. I hope those help. Uh, I wouldn't be too, uh, Live or, live or die on my fantasy advice because most of my teams are pretty mediocre this year, which is what happens when you're in six leagues. I don't ever recommend being in more than three. All right, Matt, why don't you tell us about some of the other shows in our podcast life umbrella? Yeah, we currently um, will. We will see the step back podcast this Wednesday night This is coming up tomorrow. I do believe um, Thursday, nothing Friday, the audible will be back with our week week eight eight. preview wow it is moving and then week uh the course the thursday night review of the falcons and the panthers then sunday we have the total basis podcast with felipe and sean connor flannery reviewing the world series we will have a world series winner and they will be the first show to talk about that on sunday and then monday will be dong city and then tuesday we'll have our week eight recap on the audible yeah, looking forward to that. I will have my first show in the new place of living uh, next Tuesday. So it might look a little different for me for a little bit as I transition into a, a new apartment. So bear with me as I transition there. But uh, regardless, uh, we appreciate all the support, whether you're 
happy uh, c- coming along with us here on Facebook Live. We appreciate all the interaction we get from you guys, uh, whether you're watching on YouTube or joining us on any of the audio platforms, wherever, however you're listening on Spotify, on Apple, on Anchor, regardless, we greatly appreciate it. So thank you guys so much for all the support. We, we, we love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. On behalf of Matt Bushnell, I'm Randy Hammond. This has been Football Life Presents The Audible, and we'll see you guys on Friday.